Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike. Today, we're joined by Adam Spears, one of the best golfers to come out of Manitoba. He's won the Manitoba Amateur twice and played on the Canadian Tour for a decade. He also qualified for and competed in two U.S. Opens. And when he's not living the dad life, you can find him hanging around St. Charles Country Club. Super excited to bring this guy on, 18 over par. And as always, a big shout out to Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park, where you can improve your ride and your drive, just go see Wilkie or hook up with him at winnipegdodge.com. They are open during uh, COVID time, so you can go see him. They'll be smiling under their masks as soon as you walk in that door. And also, Mr. Spears, just for coming on the show, you and the family are going to get an 8-inch custom DQ cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. These things are great. It's going to be hot, 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 hot this week, so uh, you're going to enjoy that. You can check them out on Instagram at DQ Manitoba or go to DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the food court, DQ Neverville and DQ St. Anne's Road. All right, so we can say just about anything or pump your tires uh, as much as we want, but we're going to let you do that. But one thing that I haven't found is is how you actually got into golf. So how did you get into golf? My dad was a golfer, and uh, he was a member of St. Charles when we were young. Uh, and um, I went out there a few times with him and my bro, and, uh, and then actually when I was about 10 years old, one of my good buddies growing up, Chris Isaac, his dad, John was the pro at tuxedo. So we, uh, we lived at tux that summer, a couple summers in a row, probably. And that's kind of, I would say that's how I kind of got into it. Just, just hanging being around my dad and him loving golf and wanting to take me out on my own with, uh, with Chris, um, you know, as we got a little bit older. 
and I wanted to touch quickly on your dad. I know because uh, I had I had done a lot of research on you, Adam. But there were some great highlights of your dad, uh, Gavin Spears, if I if I'm correct. Yep. And uh, it was 1974. He was a part of the first Manitoba team to win the Wellington Cup. That was pretty amazing. Uh, that would be the uh, I guess the Canadian amateur team, uh, and and so they won that in 1974. Um, and then did he there I'm sure there's been many other golf accolades he's won. I saw 2001, 2005, 2006 men's Manitoba senior champion and uh, so many more. So obviously he's a big part. Of, he's in the Manitoba Golf Hall of Fame, too. So I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was. uh uh, as I'm experienced now, I think his game went to shit when uh, my brother and I were born for 10 or 12 years. And uh, but then as we got older, obviously, he he enjoyed playing golf uh, with us and, and playing in the club championships at St. Charles. And he's won that numerous times. And, uh, you know, as I got into the competitive scene in Manitoba, he he started playing in those mid ams and, and the seniors, I think he's been on six or seven provincial teams. And so, um, yeah, he's, he's had some success there too. So, uh, and my brother's a good stick as well. So we've, we've had some pretty good competitions, uh, uh, you know, uh, growing up and, and there's no lack of, uh, fierce competitiveness in, in the Spears family for sure. But no one remembers second place. So you'd say you're the best of the bunch? I would think they would say that as well. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, interesting that you mentioned John Isaac. I was just on the phone today with Sandy Kersiba, who's been on the show a couple times. And before he was, uh, before John Isaac was a pro at Tuxedo, Sandy was a pro at Tuxedo and John took his job. He was actually up getting a lesson with Sandy today at Hecla. So small world, but <laughs> uh, crazy. <laughs> it's the golf world in Manitoba. It is uh, very small, but uh, as Mike was oh, yeah. saying, we've got some pretty competitive people that uh, have been out there and some, some big folks like yourself who've actually got in and played professionally. But how often would you say you golf now, now that you are a family man? Yeah, not, uh, not a ton. Um, I haven't missed it very much. Um, I've got kind of a, I'd say for the last five years, we've got a standing nine holes dinner and beer at St. Charles on Tuesday nights with uh, my brother and, and my boss, Peter George. And, uh, and it used to be another buddy of mine, but so we, we kind of rotate that fourth, whoever that is, Maddie J comes in there, uh, Matt Johnston uh, every now and then, but that's kind of the weekly nine holes daddy night <laughs> for me. <laughs> And, uh, um, and then I'll play, you know, June, July, August, I'll play probably two, two and a half Saturday mornings uh, a month sort of thing. Last summer obviously was, was a little bit different with COVID, but, um, and then I'll just play kind of rounds here and there all in all, if I'm playing 15 to 20, 18 whole rounds, that's probably a very good, uh, very good summer. Uh, but now my seven-year-old Harper is literally this, this year has just kind of taken a pretty keen interest. So maybe that means I'll, uh, I'll get a little bit more time out there. And are you still, do you still mainly play at St. Charles then? Yeah, I would say, I mean, 
depending if there's a work outing or a tournament or something like that, that I'm, that I'm playing, uh, it might be somewhere else, but it's pretty much St. Charles or bust for me these days. Do you, do you have a favorite nine at St. Charles? I think like most, it's probably South and North, but, uh, you know, like, like a Friday night in the evening, nobody out there on the South mine is a, it's a pretty special place for, for a lot of people. But for me, you know, growing up, even, even 15, 16, 17 years old, just going there every Friday night, it was just such an awesome place. So, um, you know, if I had 18 holes left to play, it might be Augusta, but a close second might be South North Saturday morning with those guys at St. Chuck's. <laughs> wow. That's a statement. Mm-hmm. How are the greens this lots year? Lots of memories. Lots of memories. <laughs> that, they're okay. They're okay. It's, it, it, we need water like everybody mm. else. But, um, um, yeah, no, they've been in pretty good shape for the last consistently for the last 10 years or so. Yeah, I've always heard the greens there are really what makes yeah. St. Charles, St. Charles. And Mike and I, we've, well, Mike's been invited a few times, but he always stands up his partner. So yeah. uh, you can blame that on Mike, but he may catch you one morning out there. The, the main reason why we started the podcast is to uh, leverage our chances at <laughs> getting a, a tea time at St. Charles. Nice. So uh, nice. <laughs> we look forward to it. Uh, Soon, I'm sure. Soon this year, I'm sure we'll get out <laughs> yes, there. Yes, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> now that we can uh, somewhat golf again, which is nice. Yeah, at least with other yeah. people. I wanted to, well, I guess uh, you know, you talk about playing as a young young stud at at St. Charles, and you know, 1997, you're the Manitoba Junior Champ. You know, that's I feel like that's where it starts. I went all the way back here, Adam. Holy smokes. That's a long time ago. Yeah. I, uh, funnily I enough, I remember the year before I finished runner up to Dave Francis. I think he birdied the last hole at Selkirk to beat me by one. And he slept in my basement the entire week. So we were, uh, we were watching movies and, and strategizing how we were going to play against each other all week. And man, I, I, I don't know that I've seen Dave since then, to be honest. Um, but uh, that was a big, that was a big step for me winning, winning the junior. And I also remember uh, when I was 15 playing on the, making the Manitoba team with Robbie yeah. Mack and Pat Kelly and Dave Sanaka. So yeah, those were, uh, you know, great, great, times as a junior and traveling uh, the country with with those teams and stuff so yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I just saw neil the other day at st charles and and said you know like uh, you'll remember winning the junior forever like you know it's just uh wins are wins for sure for and sure. that's you a major a- for a junior in in manitoba for sure mm-hmm. absolutely you had a good stretch on that uh willingdom cup team that manitoba team it was 97 to 2000 is is what i saw so that's that's pretty amazing but uh, yeah i played uh i i played on both uh the junior and the amateur team uh with nick rowe actually did the same thing when we were 18 and uh and then i think i turned pro after uh that last year after after playing all those well-landed cup teams i remember we just we just lost one of them by one to Nova Scotia one year out in Toronto. It was kind of a mm-hmm. trying to join, join my old man on the trophy there. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, a, a few, 
Manitoba Amateurs, uh, 1999 at Steinbeck and uh, Niaqua, and then in 2001 at uh, Selkirk uh, and Pelican Beach, which is now Links at the Lake at, yeah. in, in Gimli there. Yeah, remember both of those well uh, as well. I remember when I won a Niaqua, my dad and my brother actually made the cut as well. Hmm. So no uh, I remember making the turn and uh, my brother was on the putting green or maybe kind of in that garden area there having a beer or something and, and just kind of, how are you doing? I said, I was two, uh, two under and he just kind of gave me the nod and like, okay, yeah, you're good. <laughs> so that's awesome. Uh, and then played quite well actually at uh at the second one there. Uh Pelican Beach, I guess it was, yeah. Pelican Beach, yeah, rebranded to uh Links of the yeah. Lake. Links at the Lake. <laughs> Either way you slice it, it's uh it's a nice course um that uh, yeah. you know usually get out to and Moons, who's been on the podcast a couple times before to uh, he's got a his family has a trailer up there, so he likes to play it every once in a while. But touching on your amateur career what would you say would be your your biggest accomplishment from that would it be the junior would it be the first amateur would it be the second amateur i would say i would say probably being um being consistent enough to make all those amateur teams and then uh you know the wins the wins were were great um but a win i had a win when i was down at school too that was probably a uh, my mm-hmm. biggest accomplishment i played uh uh, the Johnny Owens Invitational at the University of Kentucky, and and won that event um, my senior year, my senior year, so my final year at school down there. Um, mm. Won one of those tournaments, and I think I won by eight strokes or something. I was Whoa. one up going on into the final round, and didn't actually pay that much attention <laughs> until uh, my coach. I remember it was a par five final hole. My coach came up to me on the, the fairway, my second shot. I said, coach, don't tell me yet until I hit my second shot. I just want to, <laughs> and I knocked it on the green and he said, well, Spearsy, I think you're going to be okay with this one. <laughs> I was like, I think you got, I think you're six clear here. So that was, uh, that's awesome. I, I had a pretty good relationship with my coach <laughs> and I remember, uh, I remember him being pretty happy about that, uh, that victory for both of us. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that would probably be it to, for me. Well, I wanted to get into that. The, uh, so you, you played at, uh, Miami university. The, is that correct? Not to be confused yep. with the university of Miami. Correct. So, yep. Miami university, uh, Red Hawks in, uh, Oxford, Ohio. Yeah. And, uh, so that's about, is that one hour North of Cincinnati? Yeah. Right in between Dayton and, uh, and Cincy. Nice. And a little town called Oxford. Awesome, a, awesome town. College a, town. Everything revolved around the the school. So, yeah. yeah. Any uh, Adam? You know any uh, famous alumni from the uh, the Miami University? <laughs> I know when I was there, uh, Roethlisberger was yeah. uh, went to scan. So did Wally Zerbiak. So wow. you know. Um, so what happened to you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I wanted That's to. Right. 
touch, touch. I wanted to touch on a few more here, but and uh, there's a, some American president I think was in there, but there's I uh, think maybe some new alumni that are fairly mm-hmm. big. Well, you touched on the uh, Paul Ryan, former U.S. Speaker of the House and presidential yep. candidate, uh, Nick Lachey, famous for marrying oh, yeah. <laughs> Jessica Simpson, and uh, I think he was from Jr.'s favorite band there 98 98 degrees degrees. yeah yeah you know he his mom (laughs) taught us a uh a course uh in the athletic department and i remember (laughs) saying something like uh she said you know i don't know if you guys know who i am and and i think none of us at the time knew who she was (laughs) but she goes well you know i'm what and nick's got a a brother Brother, too right yep Yep. Yeah. Nick and blah, 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 Lachey. I'm their mother. And we were all like, holy smokes. And then like three of the football players were like, have you met the Backstreet Boys too? (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, it was so great. That's hilarious. (laughs) I forgot about Nick Lachey going to Miami. And then uh, there's a few other NHL guys, Jack Roselvick. Yeah. Roselvick. Great. And then, uh, the most famous, in my in my opinion, uh, Milt Stiegel. He, right. Wow. Milt Stiegel Milt. is an alumni of uh, University, or sorry, Miami University Redhawks. Yeah, and you know what? I I was uh, we my agency that I worked for McKim uh, used to do tons of work for the Bombers, and we were at one of those banquets, and uh, and I introduced myself and talked to him about uh, Miami and stuff like that. I forgot about Milt. Yeah. That's awesome. Mike's yeah, got small, it all. S- small world. So how did you end up there? Were you like, were you scouted or, um, did you yeah, send in you your know, VHS tape? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually literally physically wrote letters. That's how wow. long it was. So yeah. like part of, uh, um, the junior, uh, when I was 18, low round of the day, um, got 25 letters written, by college prospects there was a company that wrote letters on behalf of of, uh, athletes and so that year i got the top 75 schools in the country letters sent on my behalf which was awesome and a couple schools um kind of looked into it and coached down at, at miami uh roger cromer actually wanted me to come kind of mid year because they had a pretty good team that year and they just needed kind of a fifth guy. And he thought I could slide in there, but I, I didn't want to go mid year. So, um, took a couple of visits. I visited Oregon state Pepperdine, uh, didn't go to Pepperdine. Um, cause I signed with Miami, but Oregon state, Colorado state and Miami. And you know, you just kind of have that feeling, you know, like it's, you just know when you know, and, and when I got to Miami, it was just everything was the best. It was, they, it was just perfect. Did they lay out the red carpet? Like these recruiting trips we hear about uh, the football guys and the hockey guys. <laughs> Lips are sealed. He says lips are no, sealed. You know what? I, I had a very, very good time when I was there. And actually uh, it was my recruiting trip. It was the same weekend as the Tyson Holyfield fight where Tyson bit off his ear. (laughs) And so a whole bunch of guys in one of the houses were like, it was the pay-per-view event, I guess. Right. So they, they ordered the fight and I watched it with the captain of the team and we just 
hung out and maybe, or maybe didn't drink any beers. I can't quite remember <laughs> if he did or not. Um, and then it was my birthday weekend as well. Wow, and so wow. this, this probably was a violation. The coach had me over to his house with the entire team for birthday cake. And I walked <laughs> and I walked into the house and Harry Chapin was playing which my brother and I grew up on listening to because mm-hmm. that's what my dad loved. And I was just like, wow, this guy does his research here. This is incredible. Smart. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> and then, so, so you get down to uh, Miami University there in that first year, 98, you're a freshman on the team and you guys go to the NCAA mm. AA championship. Can you tell us, number one, I, you know, I don't know what NCAA golf is really about, but to be able to go to that tournament right off the bat, that must have been amazing. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. The, the chemistry of that team was so great. You know, we had an All-American captain, second team All-American, Kyle Voska. He was so good. Team McCabe was kind of a, a long, long hitter and, and funny guy and he did magic and stuff. And then there was John. Yeah. Did he just drop the ball on the golf course? Just magically no, ball no, appears and lose he anything? Have a like, he had a deck of cards in his, in his bag that he would pull out and do oh, that's like, awesome. That's crazy. Bunch of dumps in the bag. Yeah. And then uh, John Bishop was our like workhorse. And then two freshmen, myself and Ryan Lagergren kind of, uh, three, four guys usually every week. And, uh, man, we played, we, we won one event as a team in, uh, in the fall and then started playing pretty good in the spring and then, then went to, uh, regionals and, and made it into the final. And then when we got to the final, we just played so good. Kyle played so good. I think he was top 10 in the whole thing. And, uh, and we finished 13th, which is the best Miami's ever done. And then it was downhill from there for that team. But, uh, you know, that was, I remember it so well. It was, oh man, it was just such a great, such a great time with those guys. Yeah. And how, do you, how do you qualify for the national championship? Is that within the season that you guys qualify or is it like a previous year qualification kind of situation? And when they rank yeah. the schools? Yeah, in in um, in ninety seven ninety eight, you played the entire year, and then there was a ranking, and you got voted in to go to the regionals. I think we got in there quite handily, and regionals might have been. I think there are three regionals with twenty teams in each, and top ten go to the final. So there's thirty teams in the final, and I think we finished eighth in the regional. And Kent State, who was in our conference as well, with with like John Mills and Danny Saul and Ben Curtis, those guys kicked our ass for four years in a row <laughs> in the conference. And uh, they turned out uh, all right. They 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 made it in a playoff, I think, to the to the finals. So um, then you get to the finals, and and you, I think, top fifteen made the cut. So we made the cut there, and we were just. I mean, we're just so pumped. That was so great. Did you notice a big change, whether it's a, it was in your game or the your playing partners, people on your team, like their game, how it differentiated from those who you're playing with uh, in Manitoba at the time? Yeah, like, you know, you kind of go, it's, it's stage by stage, right? You go from dominating junior to then playing amateur and you start not quite dominating and then you got to move your way up. And, and I think... 
playing amateur golf here is, is much different than the NCAA. But as a freshman, you know, you're kind of, I was anyway, comparing myself to the other freshmen and just trying to step up that way. You certainly don't want to be the best player on the team as a freshman. So you're, you know, you're pushing yourself and, and trying to get better um, learning from those older guys. But a lot of the events you're playing with the same team, same schools. So you're, you're learning from, you know, I mean, I played a lot of golf with Ben Curtis with, with John Mills, those guys. And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking, like, I haven't thought of this for so long, but like Luke Donald was at Northwestern, uh, Joel Kreibel at Stanford, like just tons Mm -hmm. of good players. I mean, they're all, they all play. Right. And then they, you know, whether now it's, they play for one, two, three years, whatever it's, uh, it's a little bit different, but, um, you know, back then it was most guys played and graduated and then turned pro. So what uh, made you decide to say, okay, I'm going to turn pro. I honestly have no idea (laughs) other than, uh, I just think I was, I just think I always wanted to. Yeah. I just remember this, that's what I was going to do. You know, I didn't, I, maybe, maybe I didn't want to work right away, (laughs) but, um, I just kind of always thought that's what I was going to do. And, uh, and I How did. old were you? How old were you when you turned pro? I was uh, 20, 23, 23. So just I, I had taken a year off high school, like after high school, before going to Miami, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so graduated when I was twenty three, and then turned pro that January. And so, what was the difference then that you saw of making that jump where you're still playing, I guess in, in university, you were still playing golf pretty much every day, but then turning pro, what was that difference? Kind of just being on your own actually. Mm. Right. So in, in, in college golf, you've got your coach that's obviously organizing everything and you know, you know, your schedule and you're doing what the, what the team's doing. And then you turn pro. And I remember I had a little bit of an advisory group, um, put together a little bit of cash. And one of the guys was Terry Hashimoto. And I was just kind of like, like, well, how do you, like, how do you turn pro? And Hashy being Hashy goes, uh, you just enter the Q school and turn pro. <laughs> like, like just go, you know, like go play, you know? And yeah. And that's, you, you know, that was a message that my dad delivered all the time too. Right. Like you just got to go play. You got to see if you're good enough. You got to see how you stack up. You got to get better. And so you didn't, you didn't out. hold a uh, press conference and told everyone I'm yeah. turning pro. <laughs> I didn't say uh, hello world, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, Since Terry was involved, did you have to play jazz golf clubs? You know what? My first year pro, I played, I had a jazz golf bag <laughs> nice. and, and I can't recall, I can't recall um, what the club deal was in there, but I was using their wedges at the time nice. as well. So I yeah. still have one of those in my bag. So there you go. Did it have, does it have the bronze face on it? No, like, no, I, no. I had, a, no. I had one of those. We were talking about there was ones, I think Luke, who was on episode four of our show, there was one that had like this bright yellow shaft or an orange shaft and they, there was some funky stuff, but they worked. So that's all that, that's all that matters. Did you have to go out and get sponsorships yourself or did they, did you have, like, was Terry pulling the strings on that? No, you know what? Uh, so that, that advisory group put some cash together. Um, and, and that kind of got me down there. Okay. Um, 
I had a visa. So that helped like a credit card. <laughs> um, and then I played, I qualified for the U S open that summer and the, and that fall had a fundraiser at St. Charles. Oh, okay. And that was kind of the, that was a, a really big step for me to, to clear my mind financially, I guess for, for a year or so. And, and I think playing, uh, playing in the U S open opened, uh, opened some eyes as well. So that helped open a few doors. Um, but the first few years was, yeah, like, what am I, you know, how am I doing this sort of thing? <laughs> Just trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Did you have any, sure. any nights in the car? Cause you hear about some of those guys now on, whether it be the McKenzie tour, or, uh, some of those development tours that that's kind of what you have to do. Yeah. You know, I remember hearing about that and, and I think it's a little bit of hyperbole maybe, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, just get by, you know, (laughs) how am I going to eat? It's Mm -hmm. like really, you know, like you're going to find a meal. You're going to be fine. (laughs) Just play better, you know, (laughs) um, you know, and, and if, and if you don't, then you go get a job. But, you know, I remember James Hahn saying he was selling shoes. Like, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, and, and a lot of the, a lot of the events on the Canadian tour had billets and stuff. So, you know, okay, you, that's good. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't know who was staying in their car. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you get into the first U S open? Did you go to the qualifier and you ended up qualifying? That yeah. Way? I went to the qualifier. Um, the process down there is, uh, I remember actually my dad came and caddied for me in the local, which was 18 yeah. holes. And probably, uh, I was in Michigan. There's probably 60 guys for four spots. Muskegon, Muskegon, Michigan. Yeah. Holy smokes. <laughs> What else do you know about me? <laughs> so don't, you, a, don't answer that. Yeah. Uh, Not that much. Yeah, good. He does full background so checks. He, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. He, um, he caddied for me that week. And so we made it through. And a couple weeks later, he, uh, he decided to come caddy for me in the, in the sectionals, which is 36 holes in one day. And I think there was probably 60 guys for two spots or something. And, uh, and that year in Chicago, I was, uh, just outside of Chicago, Barrington, Um, Illinois, Barrington, Illinois. Sorry. (laughs) And, uh, they had, there were thunderstorms rolling through. So it was like, we finished 18 or 15 holes, I think. And then on Monday and then had to finish up on Wednesday. Like we didn't play all day on Tuesday. So finished Wednesday. And I remember him saying, he said like, this putt's pretty fast. Just, you know, watch your speed here. And I was short and he thought to himself, Oh, I think that just cost him the U S open. But, uh, I got in the scoring tent and, uh, actually had a couple college buddies watching, and my parents, my mom was there as well. And I was looking at the scoreboard and thinking like, these guys got to come in and shoot like 66 or 65 to beat me. And, and that was, I was just thinking that's not happening. So <laughs> I look over and like both my parents got tears in their eyes and I was like, 
did I just qualify? And my dad's oh my like, gosh. like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and then like shit just hit the fan. We just had no clue what was going on there. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. So Adam, you mentioned qualifying for your first us open spoiler i said first but uh 2002 at beth beth page black that's a tongue twister in itself so and you mentioned in the qualifying rounds your dad is caddying for you you pick him as your caddy for the us open did you know that going in or or was that a a last minute surprise for your dad or um that i think that's called a rookie mistake but uh um you know you know we we decided like he he was there for the local and the sectional so like let's do this for the uh the tournament as well so um we we drove i don't know why we didn't realize there were planes i guess um (laughs) from chicago to new york how long after the sectionals was the u.s open is that that's just a week yeah so we finished on wednesday tournament week was monday wow so we drove i guess i guess we stayed there in chicago on uh on wednesday and just packed up thursday and started driving that's yeah. awesome. What were you driving? Was it a, uh, a station wagon or a van or <laughs> they, they took their car and I had, uh, uh, a limo, a, uh, <laughs> Ford Explorer hatchback thing, courtesy of Keystone Ford at Bob. Oh. Kuzminski's. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't so think Win- they're around anymore, but we Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The new Winnipeg Dodge. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jamie Wilkie. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So you gotta so you're going to Beth Page there and uh you, you have to find your own accommodations, I imagine. It's not like are the PGA setting you up with stuff? No, they it's it they've uh they had a host hotel. So like unless unless you're renting a house like a few of the guys did, I guess. Um a lot of the a lot of the players were staying in that hotel on Long Island. So literally my next door neighbor was Nick Faldo and oh, wow. uh and Mick Mickelson was on the same floor and Alhel Cabrera and so I think Sergio too, maybe. Yeah, it was it was like I mean, as a twenty three year old first year pro from Winnipeg. It was just like, what the hell is going on here? That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. And that's and a you notoriously, were, oh, go ahead, Mike. I was just saying, hopefully you weren't sharing a room with your parents, uh, at the hotel or, yeah, uh, yeah, I was yeah. sharing, <laughs> sharing a room with my parents. Yeah. And then my dad's best friend, Tom Trotsky came, came and watched the event as well. So he was staying with us too, sleeping on the floor. It was a Amazing. shit show. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I would expect nothing less. That's what I would expect my parents. And if I had any family friends, I would expect yeah, them to yeah. come and check just, it out too, yeah. right? Just pile in. Yeah. yeah. The, the hotel, the hotel bar must've been bumping. It was uh, a lot of Caesars being served. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a notoriously difficult course was that yeah. kind of eye-opening for you when you got out there did you get to play any practice rounds yeah played uh played a few practice rounds um i played with uh chris demarco and justin leonard one round i played 
I played with Tom Lehman twice, uh, with Paul Stankowski and, uh, Scott Hoke. It was, yeah, it was, it was surreal actually. And I, you know, the, uh, the golf course was something else. It was long. The rough was insane. Um, really, really difficult. And then on Friday's round, it just poured the whole, the whole round. It was, I mean, it was just really, really tough. We teed off. I remember, um, teeing off, uh, that was the first year that they used split tees in the U S open apparently. So we teed off 10 on Thursday and 10 goes out and 11 comes back and kind of 12 is off to the left and tiger was playing a few groups ahead of me. So they announced me on the 10th tee and tiger's about to drive on 12 and he kind of looks back and we have this little back and forth and I'm like, it's my first, us open ever my first year pro my dad's caddying for me (laughs) and tiger woods is like looking at me going do you want to go or or should i go and i was like i think you should fucking go for sure before i do i got a family friend sleeping on the floor like so it was just weird and i was hitting this nice little i've got a few stories and this is a really good one for for me i was hitting um a nice little cut on the range, but I was super pumped and turned it over a little bit. And we get up there um, and I'm in the rough, just screwed. <laughs> 60, de- 60 degree wedge, as hard as I can type wow. lie. And I look at my dad and I'm like, this is literally the worst lie all week. Like I'm trying to look down at the ball. And I'm like, and I look over and he's smiling and he looks at me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, dad, this is Thursday now. This is real. And he's like, yeah, right. Gotcha. Focus. And let me, can I stop you right there? Who, who else was in your group on that Thursday? Was it two I- other qualifiers? Um, one, okay. one guy was named Ben Porty. And, uh, the other guy was George McNeil. And George has won a couple times on the PGA Tour now. And I think Ben might be working at Winnipeg Dodge or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I think he's from Colorado. I don't he's know. He's working alongside doing. Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg yeah. Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. Yeah. WinnipegDodge.com. Yeah. So what did you take from that just experience? Like that. Was that just the um, like, okay, I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing here. Were you very naive to it? Or did you actually realize that you were playing in the U.S. Open? It was uh, early in the week. I remember my dad and I talking like top 16 gets into the masters. Like who knows, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. if you just play out of your mind, mm-hmm. who knows what can happen? <laughs> and then, and then it just, you realize, okay, I'm not good enough yet for sure for doing something like that. I think I'm the kind of guy, and this may have hurt me in my career overall to kind of soak things in and really um, enjoy the experience and, and all that kind of stuff, which, which we certainly did. Um, we've gotten a lot of mileage out of a lot of stories and, and we, <laughs> we love, we love reminiscing about it for sure. <laughs> that would, that would have been his, um, he says that was his second major cause he, he caddied for me at the U S amateur <laughs> in 99, 
but uh, that was our first and last as a professional duo, duo, <laughs> duo. and uh, it was a good one to end on, I guess. Did you take Absolutely. anything from that experience and bring it to your golf game, uh, f- like further on in your career? Did you kind of see what these guys were doing? Like, holy smokes, I really got to do this and that. It, yeah, yeah, no, I think it. I think just being in those situations and those scenarios of of just pressure cooker situations, right? Like that always helps, especially early on with knowing what you need to do and and how you need to approach things. But um, just being able to, to get there, you know, it, it tells you that you can do it again. You know, and I remember, you know, if, if I, if I tried to qualify 10 times, I don't, I can't remember if I did or not, but if I tried to qualify 10 times for the U S open, I might've gotten through the local seven times. Hmm. Um, and I just think being able to do that the first time helped me all the other times, you know, like there's 60 players for four spots and you think, Holy shit. I got to shoot like 66 or something, but you don't really, you know, you got to shoot 70 or 71 because all the better players are exempt into the sectionals already. Uh-huh. Um, and then when you get to the sectional, you, you you've got to play extremely well, but you know, if you, if, if, for example, if I played my best game, I, I felt like I was going to be right there in those situations. Did you then, was that before you were playing the Canadian tour or then did you go from that and then jump on the back onto the Canadian tour? Yeah, I played, uh, I didn't have any status that first year. So I, I, uh, God, you talk about driving. I drove from Winnipeg to Florida for the Q school. And then I, I didn't qualify left Florida to go to Michigan to see my girlfriend at the time drove from Michigan to Arizona to qualify, try to qualify for the Monday qualifiers in the Canadian tour in Arizona. Cause they had those events <laughs> drove from Arizona to South Carolina, Myrtle beach to try to qualify for the next two Canadian tour events. And then back to Michigan for the qualifier, Chicago for the qualifier, New York for the tournament back to Winnipeg, like wow. in a car the whole time. <laughs> Like, wow. can I get Ryan air please? Like give me a $69 flight here and there. That was insane. But like, you know, you're 23 and excited. And what else did I have to do? Maybe practice, I guess, but <laughs> I, I got to ask about the, uh, the Wilson blades where you, yeah. I heard you're using 11 year old Wilson blades at the 2002 U S open. And by that, I guess those would have been 1989 blades is if my math is correct or, or I, I don't know. I don't know what the year was, but they were awesome. <laughs> they were awesome. And I remember I, I, I must've gotten them like my senior year at school and my coach got them from some guy who was like, yeah, I got a set of those. Like, cause you know, there were some, there were some programs from Titleist or, or whoever, and we weren't that big of a school. Um, so we weren't getting the, the same stuff that, that Arizona or Arizona state was getting, for example. Uh, but he found a guy who, who said, yeah, you know, this kid can have these and uh, they were awesome. But going to the, the U S open, uh, they had all those, all those manufactured trailers there. And one of the guys from TaylorMade was uh, a Canadian guy. And he, 
I, I don't know. We just kind of struck up a, a good relationship and, uh, and he was calling all these guys over here and you, Bob, you got it. And I was like, Bob Bokey. He's like, you gotta come see me. <laughs> Bob <laughs> People are like, Who's, who the hell is yeah. this kid must strike it, man. Like what's going on here? And That's so, awesome. uh, so I, he, I, I struck a relationship with him and ended up going out the following year to the the kingdom out in the tailor-made kingdom out in uh, uh, San Diego to get fitted and stuff like that for, you know, wow. newer, newer technology, let's call it. Amazing. Yeah. I had to ask about that. I saw that. And uh, yeah, the Wilson blades from circa 1990. Uh, oh yeah. They were stood awesome. out. <laughs> if they work awesome. for you, why not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so now with uh, the, the U S open coming up, it's in uh, San Diego, just north of San Diego, Torrey pines. Um, do you watch a lot of golf now or no? Just the majors mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah. We usually just get together, my brother, my dad and I, and, uh, and my mom and watch probably depends what's going on, but we'll probably watch Saturday and Sunday, Sunday for sure. To get Masters, into any of the pools, U.S. Open definitely. Yeah, get into any of the pools. Do any uh, family bets? We do. My cousin out in Ontario puts one together, and we just—it's totally for the chirping. <laughs> and I and I won this year, so uh, actually that reminds me. I think a few guys got to pay me still. So, uh, <laughs> pay up, but it's, pay up, guys. <laughs> it's just the cousins, so we've got—you know—there's about ten of us, and and uh, it's just camaraderie stuff right that's great do you have any uh, any people that you're putting your money on for the u.s open this time around who would i uh gosh could you imagine putting money on phil for the pga last <laughs> oh, uh, wow. yeah. couple of weeks ago <laughs> yeah. uh you know i uh, the the usual suspects right mm -hmm. i think uh kepka is going to be in there and bryson will probably be in there dj will be in there it'd be nice to see you know, like uh, Paul Casey's played pretty well in the majors, you know, recently. I, I'd like to see one of the old guys get in there, you know, like my age. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any guys that you still keep in contact with who you maybe played with back then? Not really. Honestly, it's uh, life. Life's getting in the way, I guess, mm -hmm. a little bit for, mm -hmm. for stuff like that. But um, we've got a couple. Um, I've got a text thread with the, the college college guys and and uh phil and we, tiger <laughs> yeah tiger and i you know we've we usually talk sunday nights you know yeah yeah, when the kids are sure. yeah. and nicholas shay's yeah. mom bring nicholas shay's mom yeah, in on the not, not no i i just usually i answer up there, like i gotta i gotta yeah. get harvard down I, <laughs> roethlisberger and in, in yeah yeah Man, me and me and wally world yeah <laughs> the turtle man <laughs> Uh, uh, well, yeah. Uh, uh, so, well, we, f we finished off there on the, the 2002 U S open and, and then, so I guess you qualify for the 2007 U S open. So from 2002, 2007, you're, you're in Q school. Uh, you know, are you in the, is that correct? You're in yeah. the Q, Q school and, um, I, I'm curious what Q school is like. I, it's just like a torture test. It sounds like for golfers and, and to get your card there. I don't know if you can touch on that. I don't even really know anything about it, but yeah, it's, um, 
three, you know, when I was playing, it was three stages, uh, four rounds, four rounds, six rounds. And, um, yeah, just, it was, it was a lot of pressure that that's, that's what I remember. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I may have played in it. So let's say six times or so I got through first stage five times maybe. And, and just couldn't, couldn't, could have get it right in second stage very similar to the u.s open in terms of my confidence or or maybe skill level at stage one if i played if i played good in stage one i knew i was i was getting through for sure but felt like the 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 skill level at stage two was just i mean not even not even comparable to stage one so getting through stage two was was far more difficult. Um, and I just never, you know what? I never even really got close at stage two. I just never played well, uh, that particular week, call it unlucky timing or call it caving to pressure or call it not good enough. Um, I haven't dwelled on it and just never really, uh, um, figured out exactly what it was, but probably a combination of all three. I would, I would imagine. But yeah, tough, really, really tough to get through. That's kind of the short answer. And so is that something you did before every, every season? Did you always try to go back and and qualify? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that happened in the fall every year. So you would, uh, you know, you'd play all summer long and, and, uh, gear up. Let's see. First week of October was first stage maybe. And then, first or second week in November was second stage. Did you have, and then finals would be, uh, early November or early December. Did you have to qualify for the Canadian tour as well during that? Or were you exempt those years? I, uh, I was usually exempt on the Canadian tour when I played. So I didn't qualify my first year in 2002, 2002. Yeah. 2002 in the winter Q school, which was February. But then after a year of, I think I got a couple exemptions from qualifying uh, at the U S open that kind of, you know, the Canadian kid um, got a couple exemptions in maybe Victoria and Edmonton that year, I think. So I played those events played in Winnipeg, obviously. And then, uh, and then got my card in 2002 in the fall um, out in, uh, in Ontario. And then, and then had status kind of for the next eight, eight years, I guess, on the Canadian tour. Was there any extra pressure when you'd play at home when you were on tour? Probably unconsciously or consciously some years. I think I just hated Pine Ridge, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We got like it. I just, Pine Ridge. Adam Spears. Yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> hashtag. There would have been a hashtag back yeah, then. No. Uh, I, I tried to approach that tournament at Pine Ridge so many different ways. I tried to love, oh, love Pine Ridge. Oh, just love it. Or like, I oh, hate it can't stand it. Just, you know, just gonna like, I just couldn't figure it out. I think in 10 years, my lowest score was 68 or something there in 40 round. Like I, I made cuts, but I never, I never really got into contention there and except for maybe a couple times, but never on Sunday. And I was just dying for that tournament to come to St. Charles. (laughs) 
<laughs> Should have lobbied harder for that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Have you gone back uh, to Pine Ridge, and do you shoot better if you go back there now? Uh, no, no, not at all. It's it's like uh, a it's like a bad dream every time I go there. <laughs> Is it no, the, green, no, it's, the greens? It's, I don't. I uh, nah. Oh God. Next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, am I sweating here? <laughs> I don't know. All right, all right. Well, definitely, well. Tough, definitely tough to read the greens out there, but some of the holes just didn't set up for my eye, and I was just knocking in the bush. And I don't know. It was, I just hate that track. <laughs> no offense. What can you do? Well, no what can offense. you do? I think yeah. that's a good answer. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. JR, maybe we should move on from Yeah, you go for Ridge. it. You go for it. That's <laughs> it. That's all I had. To, I didn't expect I, that, so we're good. <laughs> before we move on to 2007, I did want to touch on Tiger 1 in 2002 at Bethpage. So that could be a part of you uh, giving, giving him the go-ahead uh, when you were teeing off in 10. So you had a big part of that championship for him i think i did i did that really i mean that was kind of the that was really the beginning of his domination so uh <laughs> so did you uh stay around in the mail i guess <laughs> yeah 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 he he listens regularly uh yeah, big listener big <laughs> yeah. listener of the pod uh, do yeah. you did you uh, did you stick around to watch the rest of that tournament? I know some players leave the tournament. Are you allowed as a player to watch the other two days if if you don't make the cut? I'm not sure. You know, we uh, I remember uh, we on Saturday we we went into the city because I'd never been to New York City, so we hung around in the city. We're you know check out Madison Square Garden that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, we were having a beer at one of the bars and, and the, the tournament was on. And one of these guys in his thick New York accent, yeah, I, I, when I was out there yesterday, these guys are getting fucking killed out there. He's, he's like, oh, that course is impossible. I'm a pretty good player and I've played out there before. And, and you're just, my dad and I are just like, oh, oh really? Hey, yeah, it looks like yeah. it's a good track. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Was he that from was the Boston? thing about Beth Page. It was, oh. it was, first of all, it was the first U.S. Open after 9-11 happened. And it was at a public track, like a truly public golf course where, I mean, in the practice rounds, it was just ridiculous. All these guys are like, that's not where you need to go. That is not a good place. You know, it's like... <laughs> Or you'd hit it, you'd hit it in the rock and be like, yes, you find that. That's fine. It opens up around the corner. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting my accents confused with Boston or something there. I don't no, know. Pretty good. I, origi- really good. No, originally Boston. I was going to call you out on Boston, but that was, that was pretty good New York uh, uh, voices you had there. So yeah, maybe you must you do some a- voice work at McKim or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so I get to, uh, you know, I'm going to skip over any uh, Pine Ridge references and, and go right into 2007 U.S. Open. So do you qualify in a similar fashion going into 2007 U.S. Open at Oakmont in uh, Pennsylvania? I don't know if you have a Pennsylvania accent, too, but. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be. Uh, I don't either. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, in. Uh, at uh in 2007 
I can't remember actually where I qualified locally. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't as well posted as uh, 2002, <laughs> so I don't have that information. But uh, but I know the sectionals were at um, uh, Colonial Country Club, which is in Memphis, and I I hung around Colonial quite a lot. Um, a family that that uh, used to live in Winnipeg here, the Youngs, they uh, they moved down to Memphis. I hung out there all the time and played a whole bunch. Actually, uh, there was an, uh, an alum from Miami that lived in Memphis as well and was a member of Colonial. So I played it a ton and I prepared like crazy that week, um, getting ready for that event. The different, the difference that year was Colonial was hosting the PGA tour players because Memphis held the PGA tour event the week before the U S open. Mm. Okay. So like tons of tour players were there that year. Come, I was, it was probably the best six months stretch of my career. I played, uh, I finished fourth in a Canadian tour event, second in a, in an event lost in a playoff in a nationwide tour qualifier. Like I was playing really, really well going into that sectional. And, uh, my old hockey coach here, a mentor of mine, Mike Lestell, had come down to caddy for me at that sectional. So Louis caddied for me since I was 15 years old. Yeah. You uh, fired your dad. Yeah, dad was off the loop. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, hockey Louis coach came is down. In. Yeah, and uh, it was awesome. It was just such a, such a great experience. We shot 67 first round. And that was on the easy course. And then Colonial South is just a beast of a track. And uh, I think I was one under on the front nine. So feeling pretty good. But then I made two bogeys in a row. (laughs) And I said to, I remember saying to Mike, okay, now I'm thinking about it. And he's like, he's like, "You're, you're fine. Like just, just hit one good shot here. And then, uh, made about a 20 footer for par on eight, which was my 35th hole. And then birdied the 36th hole with a kind of a snake and right to left downhill putt from 12 feet or so and knocked it in (laughs) and, and then just waited. And, uh, I remember Louie was scoreboard watching, just, just counting guys. And I was off on the range in the short game, just staying focused and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I had struggled mightily kind of 2005, six hadn't played well. And then finally started playing great. And they announced one of the, 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 the officials was, um, buddies with the alum. Like I got to know a lot of these older guys at mm. colonial. So he announced and he kind of looked right at me when he did it. And he goes, one thirty sevens are in. 138s are in a playoff and I was 137 and Louie was just like, holy shit. Like (laughs) this is a man. And then, and then I just lost it. I just broke down in my towel and I just, it was just like, okay, this is feeling like something's coming together. Like it just felt, I just remember feeling so relieved and, uh, and grateful for Louie to be down there and, and having him, again, have that experience with me. 
And and then we got partially drunk that night together. <laughs> partially, <laughs> partially drunk. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You, yeah, I can't get fully drunk when you're uh, that tired. So we were pretty yeah. exhausted. Um, and then Louis Louis came to Oakmont too. No way. That's wow. all. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Boy, did you guys take- are giving me the the feels here. I, <laughs> sorry, I'm great. sorry. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> did you take a plane this time from Memphis all you the way over to Pennsylvania? We went. I came back home actually after that qualifier, okay. and uh, kind of rested here for a few days, and and then flew into Pittsburgh, nice. and because uh, we got the courtesy car, of course, so we got mm. the the Lexus and, and, and mm-hmm. even that year, my parents got their own hotel room and oh, everything was amazing. Were you, were you, still, <laughs> we were high uh, rolling by then, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Did you still have a room in between Faldo and, uh, was it Mickelson? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? It was so, it was so different, uh, mentally for me that year there. Um, so much more comfortable. And, and I think it had a lot to do with just the way I was playing, um, on the Canadian tour and obviously just five, six years of experience professionally that, uh, I just felt right in there, you know, and I had a childhood buddy, uh, one of my closest friends still that, uh, um, came to Beth page with, uh, with his mom. They came to Pittsburgh as well to Oakmont and, uh, that he, he said to me, he, he said, this is, he's like, this is different this time. He's like, it is like you, you belong here. And so it was, it was a without question, different mentality. Um, that second time around, um, the results weren't quite as, they weren't that different, but, um, it sure, it sure felt a lot more comfortable, which was, which was pretty cool. You seem nice. to like the difficult courses for the U.S. I mean, they always set them up difficultly, but oh you think of Bethpage Black and then Oakmont. Those have to be some of the longest, most challenging courses that you could possibly play. Plus 10 was the cut for both of the events. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's... And I think those are both the highest uh, on record. Like, so, I mean, it, they were... Bethpage T to green was crazy. The The greens were fairly flat, but I remember going to the 18th green when I first got to Oakmont and thinking to myself, not where are they going to put four hole locations on this green, but where are they going to put one? Like, <laughs> like just these, these different rolls and, and mounding and just like, I mean, it was, the greens were so difficult. One of the things I, I read was that you had a practice round with Mike Weir, VJ Singh, and Jason Dufner. Dufner, not sure how we pronounce that. <laughs> I'm not a broadcaster. I'm just a guy with a podcast. And and uh, you might have lost some some money to VJ. Can you talk on that? Yeah, yeah. So lobby of the hotel on. Uh, Tuesday morning, I bumped into Weirzy and, and, and I said, Hey, I'd love to get a practice round with you. And he goes, yeah, I saw that you qualify. That's awesome. Uh, I'm playing with VJ tomorrow. Let's, let's do that. And I was like, okay, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is, there's two stories in here. I, we were teeing off on 10 and, 
as I'm waiting for Weir and VJ, I don't know, 10,000 people show up on the 10th tee. <laughs> oh, wow. Because Tiger's on the ninth green mm-hmm. playing his practice round and making the turn. So I, I mean, I have no idea why there was kind of that confusion of we were teeing off on 10 for whatever reason, but I had met Tiger earlier on Sunday and he's coming around and, and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, it's going pretty good. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and, uh, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting for Weir and BJ and he's like, Oh, okay. So we'll just go through. I'm like, sure. (laughs) And, and as I'm talking to him, my godfather, same guy who was sleeping on the floor at Beth page <laughs> had taken a picture. So I've got a picture down in the basement of tiger and I profile shot, nice. not look, not looking at the camera. And, uh, and I had actually sent that picture to tiger, um, wow. or his agent or whatever. And he personalized it and signed it. And I got it framed in my basement. Wow. So you that's should- pretty cool. Nice. You should you should sign the same photo and send it back to him. <laughs> exactly. You're welcome for 2002. <laughs> exactly. Changing the course of history. <laughs> uh, so so we we're walking off ten. VJ and Weir and Duffner and I, and uh, and coming off the the tee. VJ says, okay, Mike, what do you say? The uh, Canada versus the rest of the world in a skins game? <laughs> and Weir's like, what do you think? I'm, and I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, I'm not like, I'm going to say no. <laughs> and so, so then my, my caddy is like, what, uh, what are you playing for? <laughs> and I was like, I, um, I don't know. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it might be a hundred bucks a hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so we play. And I, I have an eight footer to win the hole, uh, for par on 10 and VJ's like right over my shoulder. And he's like, okay, kid, let's see what you got. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) so that was literally the only hole. I think we won all day and we're on, we're on eight, we're on nine, which is our 18th. And VJ says, okay, you're down 10 bets. And we're like, we'll press. And I'm like, Mike, you're shooting like 85 today. You're going to press? So Weir makes like a 12-footer for for par to tie the press hole. And so I go to VJ. I'm like, okay, what do I owe you? And he goes, 10 bets, $20 a bet, $200, man. I'm like, oh, okay. Not bad. So I literally have no money in my wallet. And so I go over to Trigger, my godfather. I'm like, Tommy. I need, I need 200 bucks. And he was like, what for? I go, I got to pay VJ. And he goes, Oh, okay. <laughs> so I pay VJ and he kisses it and he sticks it in his pocket. He's like, thanks man. Play well this week. <laughs> okay. Oh. Awesome. So the whole time I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, like I think Weir's got me covered for this. So, you know, like he's a tour star. I'm on the Canadian tour and I'm like, Oh, I guess not. Okay. That's fair. That's a lesson. I get that. <laughs> yeah. You think we would have covered your, uh, your gambling losses there. I, 
I thought he was teaching me a lesson for a couple of days because on Friday after my round, there was a note in my locker or maybe Mike didn't have money at the time to cover <laughs> me either. But I, I like to think that he was just making me sweat because that's a good lesson. Uh, there was a note in my locker that said, uh, Spearsy, good luck the rest of the year. If I don't see you, this should cover the cost of Tuesday's round. And it was 200 bucks cash. So oh, awesome. Super wow. class act. I, I, I've gotten some good mileage out of that story too. Was it right. was it two hundred dollars Canadian that he left you or American? No, no, it was it was American. And then he was playing really well. I think he top ten that week. And I saw him Sunday morning, and I said, uh, "Hey, man, that was I really appreciate that. That was a classy move." And he said, "I remember what it was like to play on the Canadian tour. Don't worry about it." Wow, so, that's awesome! Yeah, what an so, awesome story, and a, and a caveat. That was pre uh, VJ's deer antler spray uh, situation. Not yes, yes, <laughs> because that was legit. VJ, <laughs> obviously, deer antler spray is a, a big game changer. <laughs> I had to put that in there. <laughs> oh, Mike, nice one. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little off color, but uh, anyways, we can move on from yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any more on the U.S. Open, Mike? Oh, did you play with? I had. I thought you played with Phil and David Duval at one point. You played a first round with Phil Mickelson and David Duval, or no? No, I did Good. not do that. We that would have been cut, nice, though. We could have cut that. I don't know where I got you that. You probably from. dreamt that, Mike. Yeah, I, I dream a lot of things. <laughs> Anyways, we'll move on from there. Like we the can, new Kit Kat Blizzard at Dairy Queen. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, we, Mickey Group. <laughs> We got to bring up the Kit Kat Blizzard because last episode, Adam, uh, you know, uh, Jordan, Jr. thought that uh, there was a new Kit Kat Blizzard and uh, it, apparently it doesn't exist yet. You know, yes. so apologies to DQ Manitoba, Nick and Nikki, and apologize to our uh, our listeners. Is it is it like a shamrock shake type thing? Like it's only in the summer because I've I think I've seen Kit Kat. Yeah, I did. I, I just did. I just throw DQ under the bus by no, mentioning Shamrock no, Shake. No, it's all right. No, <laughs> they they love it. They have uh, they got a bunch of good blizzards, but we are trying to get uh, our listeners of the pod. So you listening to petition Nick and Nikki to get the Kit Kat Blizzard back. Yeah, get it back. Get it back. Okay. That's Lobby, a good. I have a good Lobby feeling. The Kit Kat. Yeah, I have a good feeling it's going to come back. Adam, do you have a favorite blizzard? Cookie dough with score and a little little shot of uh, chocolate hot fudge. Oh wow. wow! You like to mix it up, a little blizzard cocktail. I like. Yeah, that. not 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 half and half, double stuff. <laughs> nice. That's uh, we're not messing around with. We're not messing around with blizzard. <laughs> Absolutely not. I go no. with medium, not large, because that's too much. The large, so. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes you you almost regret that because you're like, oh, it's hot and I'm oh, it's too much. I'm hungry, right. but then you're like, yeah, maybe the not. I'll share the rest like, of the family. The medium mm-hmm. keeps you coming back. And and I'm not big on the desserts or the the ice cream, so I figured I'd just make up my own blizzard like Jr. did with the Kit Kat and <laughs> and uh, you know maybe a a euro a euro blizzard with like some Greek yogurt, some lamb and beef, some onions and tzatziki. Can we do that? I don't know. Like, I think that would be really good. Get some lamb like chunks. A, yeah, like a keto blizzard. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That sounds or, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we can, you should uh, really try the cookie dough instead. Yeah. <laughs> 
we'll yeah. focus group the Euro Blizzard, and then yeah, uh, yeah. Then we'll Good see. Call. Yeah, we'll we'll see what the what the public thinks. Joe Public thinks of uh, of that. Um, <laughs> back to golf. Back to golf. Yeah, and the and the Canadian tour. So you oh, ended up. Uh, I, oh yeah, go ahead, Mike. One more thing. Sorry, mm-hmm. Oakmont. Angel Cabrera wins. And uh, I was curious if you stuck around to, to wait, watch that because uh, he's in a little bit of legal trouble right now. He just got extradited <laughs> from Brazil to yeah. uh, Argentina. Not deer antler spray. No. Yeah, a little is, bit more what, serious. What is that? What's the? I haven't read any of that. No. Basically everything. He's got a really long rap sheet. Uh, and he is suffering the consequences right now. (laughs) But uh, he did win the U.S. Open that year, but you had some good scores. He shot 78-78. That was, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was okay. It was, it was a kind of a tale of two nines both days. I was, I, I think I shot seven over even par on both days. So if I could have just taken kind of the best, (laughs) the best nines, that would have been good. Um, and at one point, I think it was the back nine on Friday, I birdied one, I birdied three, and I birdied six. So mm, birdied wow. three out of six holes at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Uh, anywhere, I thought it was pretty. Those are, the, those are the things I'm hanging my hat on. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> well, you weren't really, I guess, in that sense, you weren't too far off the cut if the cut was 10 over. Yeah, it was. I was close, but no cigar or yeah. something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was close, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that wraps up my U.S. Open questions. Even though I uh, I had previously said that was all, and I have another twenty here, but uh, <laughs> we can get that on part two of the interview in a few months. Yeah, when the Kit Kat Sounds blizzards good. come out, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll 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 get yeah, you. Yeah. We'll get you back on. And so jumping back to the, the Canadian tour, you ended up winning on the Canadian tour. And for you, was that sort of a validation? Like, okay, I've, I've done this. It was all worth it. Or were you kind of like, Oh, finally. Uh, I think probably a little bit of both. Mm. I had played, as I said, um, 2007 was a good year. I had, you know, I entered a final round with the lead competed on, on Sunday down the stretch for a tournament and finished second. So I was, I was knocking on the door actually the week before, uh, I won, I was, uh, tied for the lead after two rounds and, and, and didn't play great on the weekend. So, you know, I was, I was just kind of, I was knocking at the door and, um, yeah, you know, funny enough, I didn't, I didn't have anything that week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I just felt terribly on, mm. on the range, but I had an afternoon round on Thursday and I had a practice session Thursday morning where I kind of was trying something and I just started striping it. And, and I, I just, I hit it so good that week first two rounds shot 67 um 69 on uh saturday and i was i was leading the whole i was leading the whole tournament and then uh shot 72 on sunday uh i remember i bogeyed i bogeyed 15 to maybe lose the lead and then and then made like a 30 footer back of the hole on 16, a par three, good par three. And then 
knocked in like a eight or 10 footer on 17 um, to take the lead by one and then made par on, on, uh, on 18. I, I, I got up and down from the front of the green and made probably a three footer for the win. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I, I had some, uh, a, a buddy had, that had caddied for me a couple previous years um so that was fun i was staying at a buddy's house out in vancouver the tournament was in vancouver is that correct yeah 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 the great so, the greater uh, vancouver charity classic yeah in at hazelmere and uh, and then maddie johnston's parents um and my cousin uh were were just my cousin was building houses in in uh in bc and he came to watch and uh and Maddie's parents were out there for some reason. So they were there too watching. So that was, that was nice. pretty, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And I was really, I, the names that were up there on the leaderboard were good names. Like I think Adam Bland was up there. Wes Heffernan was up there, Byron Smith. So it was a, you know, I, I was playing with Derek Gillespie. So they were, they were not letting me win. They were chasing pretty good. And, and, uh, um, I was, I was, pretty pretty happy to, to finally and i think wes was waiting for me at 18 there with a beer and he said it's about fucking time here <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's so that awesome. was uh yeah it was fun a beer and and maybe one of those big checks that happy gilmore gets. yeah the happy gilmore checks i want a big check <laughs> <laughs> did you get a big check or no yeah, i i don't i can't remember i don't think i got a big check Actually, I got a small check because it was one of the smallest purses on tour that year, (laughs) which is just kind of an inconvenience because they're all the same. Uh, I had it it pegged at 15K, which seems pretty good. Yeah, it was 16 grand, which was a a very, that was very nice, of course. Yeah, that's that's a lot of DQ cakes right there. That's uh, that's a lot of blizzards. <laughs> a, lot of blizzards yeah. a lot of Euro a lot, blizzards coming soon a lot of to a Nick and Nicky yeah. group of DQ. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to talk about the loaded steakhouse burger too, because uh, two one hundred percent beef patties, steak sauce, peppercorn sauce, onion rings, bacon and cheese. Oh my god, that sounds delicious! You could probably make a blizzard out of that. You probably wouldn't want to just eat eat the cheeseburger, but uh, mm-hmm. I had to mention that. So you can buy a lot of those too. Oh wow, yeah, that, that would have been awesome though. Getting one of those giant courtesy checks, but uh, yeah, maybe next yeah, time. Just uh, get on the plane with that. That would have been great. <laughs> maybe on your Tuesday, your Tuesday evening nines. <laughs> You can get one. Yeah, we should start playing for that. That'd be, that'd be yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do want to give a okay. shout out to Johnny Mac uh, for helping us get in contact with you, Adams, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, yeah, he he certainly uh, uh, reached out to us and uh, hooked us up. So thanks, Johnny Mac. Yeah, Johnny shout Mac. Uh, we've uh, we had one very special run in when he was 13 years old or so. <laughs> at our family reunion. I don't know if you 
but we were feeding him beers. I think when he was 13 or 14 in the bathroom and (laughs) the rest is history. (laughs) Sounds not that I'm condoning it. (laughs) This is your penance now coming on uh, 18 over park. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well then uh, let's get into the back nine lightning round and it is driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. You can check them out. WinnipegDodge.com. They're different. They certainly are different. And uh, as I mentioned last week, I'm, I was looking at those Wranglers because it's it's certainly <laughs> it's hot, hot outside. And I like the air against my skin. That was the quote from last week. And I'm going to stick with it, <laughs> I like uh, it this week as my skin will stick to that leather seat. But let's, uh, let's uh, start it off here, Adam. Nine questions here, some quick kills, and 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 uh, let's uh, let's learn a little bit about you. Uh, have you have good. you have you ever got a hole in one? I have one. It was at Pine Ridge in the first round oh, of the tournament there Pine on Ridge. number fourteen. Wow, yeah, my favorite track. <laughs> How old were you? Oh, 20, maybe twenty-seven. Six okay. iron, good shot. Yeah, it was. It was. I uh, saw it cleanly go into the hole from the tee so it was it was cool parents were there louie was on the bag it was awesome <laughs> nice do you still yeah. have that ball or no yeah it, he he got it framed for me actually and and weaver wrote a little bit of a snippet because i i think i shot like 74 or something that day <laughs> and i've got the scorecard it's all signed and are uh, uh framed and stuff it's pretty cool oh, i think awesome. i had a one a two I think I had a one through seven on the card that day. <laughs> yeah. That's, nice. that's quite the accomplishment. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Sorry. This is supposed to be rapid fire. I'll, I'll, it's all right. No, 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 no. Commentary, uh, this always goes. Yeah, always happens. yeah, no, it's just called the lightning round, but it's more of a, I don't know, a hurricane round or hurricanes quick. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, not a weather guy. Up, not a weather guy, not a geography guy, not a math guy, but uh, I don't know what I am. But uh, what is your preferred golf ball brand or model right now? And then, or has that changed f- uh, from your uh, competition days? It would have been Titleist kind of all the way through. Yeah, I mean. Have you experimented with other balls and you tailor come ma- back? Taylor made little bit but um i i mean it's no secret i think plus makes the, i mean that's the best ball going for sure for sure are you a pro v1 or a pro v1x i'm uh i'm whatever uh whatever gets in my hands free these days <laughs> <laughs> now i gotta buy these things but i'm hoping that after this little plug robbie mac might send me a dozen balls <laughs> I think so. I think he might. Maybe he can send us all a few. Yeah, maybe that'd be I, nice. yeah, right? I currently buy my uh, Pro V1s used, but uh, there's nothing wrong with secondhand balls and there's nothing wrong with secondhand cars. And you can find a lot of them at Winnipeg Dodge. Uh, <laughs> That's right. WinnipegDodge.com. You can check out their used inventory as well. You certainly can. So since this is a podcast about golf in the prairies, I wanted to know what your favorite course to play in Manitoba is? I would say it's St. Charles, mm-hmm. south, south North, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, Falcon Lake is a, that's a special place. It's uh, the, the layout is great. 
there's something about no uh, no houses out there, uh, and you know the lake is there, so you know it's it's just a relaxed atmosphere. It's always a good round out there. Yep. Um, Elmhurst is a great layout too, but I would say, and you know what? Actually, I the new Southwood. Mm. If if it was set up as a as a championship track, you know, fairways narrow, rough high, mm. and fast and firm, like that is that would be a great track as well. I mean, obviously they don't play it that way uh, for the membership, but um, I don't I don't know. There's something about just that that layout as well being in yeah. in kind of the. Do the they south set, end of the city there nowhere? Do they set it up like that for the the players? Is that what it? Uh, uh, a little bit, a little bit. It, it could have been firmer and uh, and narrower, but um, yeah. you know when and, the wind uh, blew, I I caddied for a buddy of mine a few years ago out there. When the wind blew on the weekend, it was I mean it was a it was a good track for sure. And the other but I'd thing say I, St. Charles, St. Charles and Falcon, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. One day we'll get out to St. Charles, Jr. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> stop turning, stop turning down the offers. Is what I <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Rod, Rod, uh, Rod Olafson. Every you weekend, know, Rod, keep inviting and, us. Uh, every weekend, on, just on Southwood, Colwyn said that uh, they have to mow the fescue, some better paths through the fescue because uh, Colwyn <laughs> Abgirl didn't like walking down walking through the paths there. That was kind of funny to listen to. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Adam, is there a bucket list course in Manitoba that you've never played, but you'd love to get out to? You've heard some good things. Grand Pines. Hmm. I've, uh, w- my brother and I went out there a couple of years ago cause, uh, he was, he was at a cabin in Vic beach and, uh, we played two holes in lightning camp. So we, we didn't oh. get to play it, but I, I'd, I'd hmm. like to, I'd like to get out there. Yeah. Well, I bet they can rain check you for the those other sixteen holes. Hopefully, <laughs> maybe they're listening. We're actually uh, we're gonna head out. Uh, we've rented a cabin in Grand Beach at the end of June, early July. So. Yeah, I've played out there a few times. My family has a cottage out there at Grand Beach. So yeah, Grand Pines. It always beats me up. It's uh, I feel like it's long, and I never uh, I never do my best there, but I do love the course. Um, so I'm going to assume that you've played, obviously, some of the top golf courses in the world, Oakmont, uh, Bethpage Black. But uh, in your opinion, what is the best golf course that you have ever played? You can give us a top three if you want. I would, uh, I mean, I think it's probably biased just because the experience I had at, at yep. Bethpage and Oakmont. But those aside, and, and I I managed, I was lucky enough to play the U S amateur at Pebble beach. Mm, nice. So, I mean, those are three pretty spectacular places. Uh, yeah. The places that I, that weren't in a tournament or, or, you know, that, that large of a tournament Royal Colwood out in Victoria is just awesome. Huge, huge, massive trees, great layout. Green complexes are so good. Um, I played Medina with um, that family that I stayed with out in Memphis. They they used to house David Tom's caddy, uh, Scott Neiser, and 
And uh, I played around with him because he was a member out there. And his father-in-law is actually Stan Makita. Oh, no way. Was Stan Makita. So when Scott, long story, but we were, we were in Memphis at the same time. And I was heading up to Chicago the following week. And he said, well, let's get a round of golf together because, uh, you know, I'm a member out there. And we'll play with my father-in-law. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, some <laughs> old guy goes, he's like, you're Canadian though. You probably know him. I'm like, why? What? And he's like, well, my father-in-law Stan Makita. I'm like, that is awesome. All right, let's go. Amazing. <laughs> but Medina, Medina was an awesome, awesome golf course, obviously. But I mean, it was just kind of a random round, um, not during a tournament or anything. So that was, um, that was a great track too. And, uh, those would be, those would be two standouts for me that weren't kind of that major. And I played, I played, uh, I can't recall the name of the golf course in Argentina, but that was a, that was a great track too, actually. Well, we can uh, reach out to Angel Cabrera there and uh, see if <laughs> yeah, see if uh, fill us in. <laughs> see if yeah, serving oh, sorry. possibly serving multiple multiple life sentences. Oh, <laughs> anyways, but yeah, Medina and uh, Pebble mm. Beach, another two uh, obviously major courses. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so you've played all these beautiful courses. Do you have a bucket list course that you haven't played yet that you'd love to get out to anywhere in the world? Augusta national, mm-hmm. yeah. obviously. Yeah. And, uh, St. Andrews would be cool. Yeah. I've yeah. heard about, I've heard about St. <laughs> yeah. Andrews. Yeah, St. Andrews would be cool. Yeah. I'd like to play St. Andrews with, with my dad and my bro. I yeah. think that'd be pretty cool. Well, it's another dope. track. Sorry to, to go back a whole well, my bro went to school in Australia and we played Royal Sydney. Mm-hmm. We played Royal Melbourne, Royal Sydney and New South Wales, which are three just ridiculously world-class mm-hmm. golf courses out there. But Royal Sydney was one that would be probably up on that list too. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Sandy's uh, one of Sandy's top courses was Royal Melbourne. Yep. If yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. I'm sure he spent um, lots of time out there. Oh yeah. And then, uh, oh, I forgot that I played St. Andrews there that one time, Jr. Uh, I had <laughs> every the, episode. I, every episode it comes. I up. went out there. It was amazing. <laughs> I had no business being out there, and uh, yeah, I'm happy that I went. And Scotland's amazing. Uh, but uh, I can, we'll do a, a three That's hour awesome. show on that one day. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sure you Can't know wait. some people. I'm sure you know some people that could get you a tea time. I had to wait. But uh, uh, <laughs> next question here What is your career low round, whether it be in competition or, or just uh, out shooting, shooting the shit? What's, uh, what's the low round? I shot 61 at St. Charles in the Pro-Am. Ooh, nice. 2009, wow. maybe? 2010, somewhere around there. Um, and I shot 62 in Arizona uh, at a little mini tour event. Those, wow. are, the, those are my two yeah. lowest rounds. Yeah, both in competition, which is kind of nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's probably some of the lowest low score rounds we've had from yes. some of our guests. Mm-hmm. We'll Wilkie, have to look yeah, back. Wilkie, Wilkie, Wilkie did, was did low. a 61. He did a 61 as well, yeah. yeah. I call bullshit. There's no <laughs> <way>. <laughs> it might have been at the bone. Yeah, it was at, it was at a Cinnabon. <laughs> 
Next one here. Uh, recent rule changes allow you to leave the pin in while putting. Uh, taking COVID rules out of the equation, do you ever putt with the pin in, or do you still remove the putt uh, or the pin when putting? <laughs> Tongue twister. Take it out all the time. All, all the time. Day. It just looks so muni to me when Adam Scott is six feet away and he's got the <laughs> pin in fighting. I don't know. Maybe I'm, just, I'm just super old school, maybe, but it just it just looks brutal. I don't know. It makes sense. You grow up with taking the pin out, and that's yeah. the rule. Yeah. And how it what five years ago or not even they changed the rules, and then uh, I get it. And I'm a I'm a muni guy. And I, I, and I leave the pin in. So uh, <laughs> why, why do you leave the pin in? For me, and we explain. Uh, in for me, it's just I think a target. I can look at it as a depth per- perception thing. And right now, we can't take. We're not supposed to take the pin out, anyways. Yeah. So, so I'm just going with it. And even before COVID, pre-COVID. I, I was kind of leaving it in, you know, taking out here and there. I didn't care if people took it out, but I like it in. I feel like I'm better with it in. JR would have a different look on it, but. Yeah, you just have shitty eyesight. I think that's what we. I like. We uh, out. I don't mind the COVID thing now where you're not raking bunkers or, or taking pins out. Like if you're playing so fast. Yeah, yeah big time. Yeah, yeah, that is good. Yeah, you are what's wheeling your, around. This is an in the back nine, but what's your fastest 18 holes? Uh, on, on. No, no idea. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. No one clue. hour. He said one hour, everyone. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our flagship question of the back nine lightning round: What is your favorite condiment? A standard, a standard issued, regular, real fat mayo. Mayo. Mm, mayo. Wow, that's that's like the third time I think mayo has come Wait. up. Mayo is good. Yeah. yeah. People and, like then, the mayo. and then all depending on how you're feeling, maybe kind of a, an interesting mustard. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I like a hot mustard. Mm. Yeah. And smack dabs got some of those nice little Manitoba company there. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. Um, they've got some, some cool f- flavors, but I, you know, I'm going with, with, uh, with probably just regular mayo. Real That's good. Mayo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got a, a brand preference. Nah, not really. Actually, I don't think. <laughs> no, no. And and my my second question with the the mayo lovers is: uh, Do you ever get into the Miracle Whip? No, no. I don't even know the difference. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's just zestier. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't. What know. makes it zestier? <laughs> yeah, marketing. Uh, marketing makes it zestier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that the, I understand. I the, the preservatives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kidding. Kraft is a sponsor of the show. Uh, no, they're not. But uh, maybe one day they will be. But maybe. yeah, no, that's good. We've had a few uh, mayo uh, favorites, and I like mayo too so yeah thank you very much yeah that concludes the uh, back nine uh, lightning round for jamie wilkie and the new winnipeg dodge in the point west auto park you can check them out winnipegdodge.com well that was a slice thank you so much for uh, coming on adam we're gonna hook you up uh, you and the family up with an eight inch custom dq cake from the nick and nicky group of dqs and also another big uh, shout out to jamie wilkie and the fine folks there at winnipeg dodge in the point west auto park thanks so much have yourself a wonderful evening thanks adam great. I appreciated that, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you so Thanks, much, Adam. We'll talk soon. Take care, boys. Bye-bye. See ya. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot.
you're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12.12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece of shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. It can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile because tomorrow you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats.